Thank you. That was awesome, Maya. How are you guys doing today? That's good. Did you have a good Christmas? That's good. We did too. We had a wonderful Christmas. It was, we've had lots of family in and still family coming through next week. So we're, we're really blessed. And, you know, looking, I've, I love family because looking around, you know, at people at restaurants and people walking together into stores, it just makes you know that God's heart is for family. And I just love the holidays. Sometimes people get down on Christmas about all of it, but I think we need to let all that go and just celebrate for a whole month and just give all that up and know that the Lord is celebrating family because we come together and, you know, we give each other gifts and we just really are expressing our love and our thankfulness for one another. And that means a lot to him. I believe we're, we're really made to do that. It does get crazy, but it, it's a wonderful thing. So, But, we, you know, secretly, I'm preaching because I'm here to get Byron back for all the stuff he's ever said about me. <laughs> if you don't, if you're visiting, he he's picked on me a whole lot sometimes. But no, I want y'all to know this. I'm going to tell you that Byron really, really, really loves me. He really does. I mean, he just he he's a picker, and if you get to know him on any level, he will start picking on you. So I just get it on Sunday. So, but anyway, but he he does really love me and honors me and is a really good husband. So I want y'all to know that. And we don't have marital problems. Okay. Anybody's wondering. <laughs> I mean, we might have some, but <laughs> they're mainly his problems, but they're not my problems. <laughs> okay, that's the one thing I'm going to say. That's it. Okay. <laughs> well, I haven't preached in a long time. I preached in Argentina. We preached, you know, several times there, and it was wonderful. That was back in August, and I was having to learn how to preach on the fly because we never knew what we were doing. So this time I had a few days to get ready, which was nice, and even though it was crazy. But I just wanted to start first with giving you a few things before I give you my message, just a few things that I feel like uh, the Lord's been speaking to me prophetically about maybe some things we're dealing with right now um, that I think would, you know, I just would want you to hear from me. Um, first of all, one of the things I feel like that the enemy is has really gone after right now in the body of Christ, and I really want you to listen to this because I think it's important. We are hearing lots of accusation around, and it's not just in our body, but it is just crazy the amount of accusation uh, that we're dealing with out there in the body of Christ in general. We've had some in, in here that it's just like uh, in families, uh, in churches. And I just want to say this right now. If, you know, that is something we need no part of. Because the the enemy, his name is accuser of the brethren. And so we need to have no part of it. When we hear an accusation about anyone or anything, we really need to just bow out of that conversation because I'll tell you the first thing about that is, is we don't know. We don't really know what's true and what's not true. Okay. So it's not our business. So I'm just wanting to encourage you when we start partaking in those things, we've now aligned ourselves with the enemy who is the bre- He's the accuser of the brethren. And I'm going to say, particularly, I'm particularly out there. There is a lot going on in the area of people in ministry There's been a lot of accusation, and we really need to bow out of that, and we need to always be people that honor and leave up to God the way he wants to deal with his leaders. Um, I know there's a time and a place for all that, but I'm just saying there's a lot of it out there, and we just really need to ask the Lord that we don't be a part of it and be very aware of what the enemy's up to right now. Amen. So um, the other thing I I think is, I mean, that's kind of a serious thing, but here's a wonderful thing that I believe that we're entering into is a a time where intimacy with the Lord is really going to get deep. It's it's places that our hearts have really longed to go with the Lord, but for whatever reasons, there's been walls and all that kind of stuff. I think the Lord's really going to open up some wonderful doors and channels with him that of intimacy that is wonderful. I mean, when we really go deep with him and a season really for the bride, you know, because that's really what the bride is all about that comes forth. is. Um, and the reason I believe that is we have a granddaughter, Hannah, 
And I've been feeling it myself, but this, uh, Jamie and Chad gave us a book on the bride. Byron had mentioned it. And she pulls it out every time she comes to our house. She gets that book and starts carrying it around, acts like she's reading it. And I'm thinking, hey, Lord, you've got something to say right now to the bride. And, uh, you know, the Song of Solomon is all about the bride of Christ coming forth in her journey. And I think it's we're, we should get real excited because I know we all long to be deeper with him. So just receive that, okay? And another thing that I think is really happening right now, this is just a little prophetic thing, report for me, um, is I believe it's time to come into some inheritances that we've been contending for. Um, I think we've all, uh, many of us have walked through long and hard journeys, and um, it's time for the inheritance. And I really, I believe that particularly for Byron, Pastor Byron. I believe he's given me a specific word for him. And if it's for him, I think we all get in on it. Uh, and I don't usually get direct words for him because he's my husband. But um, I really felt like from the Lord that he gave me Caleb. When Caleb demanded, he didn't demand. He went to Joshua when it was time for to get their inheritance with the land. That Joshua said this, I'm 85 years old. And I'm still as strong as I was back then. Give me my land. And he gave it to him. You know, and Byron, I believe, is just as strong now as he was when he started. And I also believe this is particularly for older people who feel like their time's coming to an end. No, it's not. In fact, it's time for you to get your inheritance. And it's time for us, us younger ones to grab on to those inheritance because it's going to be our inheritance coming under there. So, amen. I believe it's just time for that. And I'm excited. Uh, It's time for us to get our land. And whatever that means for us, uh, for the church, for the body, your families, it's time. And and another thing that I have felt strongly about, I believe I preached it here. I can't remember. I was going to go back. I believe it's really time for the church to come forth. Um, You know, it's really take a hit, taking a hit. But I tell you, my heart in this season is still, is let the church roll on. God is not done with her. It doesn't matter if 10% of the millennials are in church. That just does not matter because church is really important. It is the bride of Christ. It is God's heart. And, And he said it very clear that the church would be built up and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. And so we just need to know to keep our eye and vision on what he does here. And I love Waymaker. I love the the words in that song that you're moving in this place. You're healing broken hearts. I'm just going to tell you, he is not done with that in church services. It is, it is. I mean, I believe fully in going out. I'm, I'm like between both worlds right now. I feel this passion for what he does here, but I feel a passion for what he wants to do out there. And I just want to say, let the church roll on. There's so much that he does here that we cannot. I've been talking to a few people that have quit going to church. And I'm just going to say this. You cannot get out there sitting on a, on a couch while you're getting in here. It doesn't happen because it's supernatural. There's something happening collectively in this body, in this room, this very moment. The preaching of the word going out, people laying hands on you, giving you prophetic words. The children being ministered to, being welcomed at the door. People giving you a hug and loving on you. You cannot get that on your sofa. You can't get it. Now, I understand if you're sick. I'm not being down on anyone who's sick and can't get here. That is not what I'm talking about. But I'm just saying the importance of what happens here is we don't even understand it. It's just supernatural. He told us not to forsake the assembly of the brethren. That's very clear to us. And we have so much of that going on these days. So much of it going on, forsaken of what's happening here. We're, as we move ahead in the times... It is so key that we, as brothers and sisters in Christ, are connected to the body. Because it is going to get, the times are going to get very serious out there. So, amen. That's enough on that. I'm not going to preach that message today. I could because it's burning in me. It has not stopped burning in me. There's just something about it. And um, I, I just think it's the heart of God. So, so one thing I wanted to talk to you about today, let me put this over here, just in case I need it. Um, I really feel like God's been talking to me a lot about 
this started in Argentina um, about when we're going through our disappointments and grief, we're going through pain. But I felt particularly this time the Lord was also, this all is inclusive, by the way. I feel this thing about when we don't get what we want. And it's called unmet expectations. When things don't work out the way we thought they would. Um, when, you know, just, it, it's just not the way we saw it. It's not the way we planned. And I think all of that is can be disappointment and pain and grief. But a lot of that is because it's not, we didn't get what we expected. And I felt like the Lord gave me that word this week, unmet expectations. And um, this, one of the scriptures for that is, um, that he gave me was James 4.1. If you could put that up. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire, desires that battle within you? And I, I believe that has a lot to do with not getting what you want. Think about how mad you get when things and angry. And somebody's not doing it the way you wanted them to do it. I tell you, it's a source of conflict. It's a source of conflict in all of our relationships. But it's a major uh, source of conflict with the Lord. Because our hearts will begin shutting down with him when we get disappointed. It'll just get shut down when it didn't go this way, it didn't go that way. And, um, and I, the reason I know this, cause I've recognized it in my own life. I, I see it and I can see when I start going down this road, if something's closed up in me, I can just about all the time go back and pinpoint that I'm disappointed. I didn't get my expectations met. And, um, another verse is, uh, the parable of the sower, Mark four sixteen and 17. Did I give you that one? Okay, here you go, yeah. And in the same way, the one sown upon stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive and accept and welcome it with joy. And they have no real root in themselves, and so they endure for a little while. But then when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, they immediately are offended, become displeased, indignant, resentful, and they stumble and fall away. And I, you know, I, that stumbling over the word, well, that could be a word you feel like the Lord has for you. How you think God was going to make this thing turn out. And we really get offended at the Lord. Our, um, our spiritual father, uh, Arthur Burt, he, he really felt like depression, the root of it, was being out with God. He really felt like that could, and so anytime you start feeling depressed, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for depression, but start looking for that. And, you know, and I think one of the things my heart is to say our hearts stay open with one another and stay open with the Lord. You know, because in the last days, it talks about our hearts growing cold. There's cold love. And this is one of the areas I believe that we can really uh, watch and pray when these expectations are not being met, when we're disappointed. Um, when people are not doing it the way we want them to do it. It's, and so, but I wanted to give you some thoughts over the years, how I feel like I've been able to deal in my own heart with these really hard things we go through. And it's a, it's a number, a few things, but some I'll be short on and some a little bit longer, but naturally the word of God. Um, I love what Bill Johnson said one time I heard him say this. He says, that when he's reading the words, I, he says this, he reads until he strikes oil. And I think that's really good. You just keep reading. You know, when you're feeling dry, just read till you strike oil. Because it takes the revelation, doesn't it? And I love this verse, Psalm 19, 7. I didn't give you this. It's okay. The law of the Lord is perfect, and it's restoring the soul. So we can always depend on the word. Always depend on going to the word and getting things in our hearts in order. Um, and just read until we strike oil. And Psalms is always a really good place for that. Because we see what da- what's happening with David. He's, he's going over things in the word. He's being honest. His ups, his downs, you know, his joys. And, but, he, and, but he's honest. And I think that's something that the body of Christ really struggles with. 
with being honest with the Lord because we are always so thinking we're supposed to act right and trying to be right. We never really are honest with God and say, you know, I'm really messed up with you because this is what I wanted in my life, but you have not given me in this life. I have some major disappointments in my life that I live with that I didn't get, and I don't know that I'll ever get them. And I've had to really do business with the Lord on that uh, because I find that, I don't know about you, but when you've got a little angst in your heart, little things that will happen that will hit that little angst, you know, and you'll feel it, and you'll feel this depression come on you because there's a little angst in your heart that you've not, it's not resolved for you. And, and I have those things that I really constantly am having to wa- watch out for. And so, um, you know, the reading of the Word is supernatural. It, you, may not, you may be feeling like you're not getting anything, but I'm going to tell you it's just supernatural because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. When we're reading the Word, we're actually eating the Word, Christ himself. So it's supernatural what is happening to us when we spend time in the Word. And, and I'm so thankful. Aren't you thankful that he's given us the Word of God to go to anytime we have a need? I mean, we, we're standing on healing today. I'm going to tell you, we stand on healing. Why? Because of the Word. It's not because we thought that up. We're standing on what is written And that's really what I do today. I have an ailment, but I am standing. I have a stomach problem, but I am standing on the word that I am saved, healed, and delivered. I'm saved, healed, and delivered. By his stripes, I'm healed. He's given us the authority to lay hands on the sick, and they'll recover. All of these things. I'm not counting on anything else but what is written. It's the word. I can stand on that and know that my deliverance is sure. And so is yours. Yours is sure, too. If you're sick today, stand on the word. I tell you, it can get disappointing. When I have symptoms that come in, man, I'm a mess. Byron can tell you. I can just I just want to, I mean, I can get mad at the Lord. I can just say, why? I can do on and on and on. But ultimately what brings me back is standing on the word. I just go, but none of this matters. None of this, none of these circumstances matters because all that matters is the word. And in everything we're going through, that's what we stand on. Um, One of, um, I love this, uh, when David, this has been a lifelong scripture for me. It is David in Psalm 73. I'm just going to have you to put up 12. Psalm 73, 12. He is in that psalm really going through a lot of turmoil. He, he's bemoaning that it looks like that the wicked are prospering. They're making money. They're not sick. They've got good-looking wives. They, you know, they got it all going for them. Yeah, you know, all that stuff that your mind thinks about. So-and-so's got this, so-and-so's got that, and look at them, I've done all this. And, and, but he has a bad perspective going on in his mind. And, I, you know, one thing in my life is, is to know, and I know that we've taught this a lot, is these encounters really matter that we have with God. We need times when we're going through these moments that we encounter here and we hear from him. Anytime anybody gets a bad diagnosis, the first thing I say to them is you need to hear from the Lord. You need to hear from the Lord. You know, until you hear from the Lord, it's going to be really hard to hold on. So we need these words. We need these encounters with him. And David had an encounter with the Lord. He said, until I went into the sanctuary, that is Psalm 73, 12, that's when all of his perspective started changing. And I, I think that often until we come into the presence of the Lord, until we hear and we see it the way he sees it, we cannot get a hold of the right perspective where we're in this wrong thinking and we're in these messes in our hearts because we haven't gotten what we wanted. Um, and I love that about him. Um, he always comes to the right conclusion. And one thing I love, he says, I'm not, I'm not going to have you to put it up, but one thing he says I love, he ends up with this description that says, Whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. And I think that is where we're headed as the body of Christ. That we're learning to get through these difficult things that we have all encountered. And we're getting to the place 
where who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire you more than any of this, more than what I want. I'm desiring you. And I, I, just, I, I just think that is so key. So these encounters with the Lord, I love, I love the story of Jacob. You think about Jacob where he was. He had, he had left his mother, father, his family. He had been driven out. He's left them. He's, he's going to his uncle's house. And here he is by himself alone, does not know what he's facing. And he ends up at this place called Bethel, the house of God, the gate of heaven, with his head on that rock. And he sees the angels ascending and descending, and the Lord speaks to him. Do you not think he needed that encounter at that moment? And so do we. We need these places of Bethel, the house of God, the gate of heaven, where we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And I tell you, ever since this revelation has really uh, infiltrated the church, it's been something. I mean, I t- it's every time when we're in a bad place, we can stop and say this. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. What is heaven seeing right now? What is heaven seeing? That's what I want to see here. I just see this. I want to see this. And I, I always just, when I read that story about Jacob, it just, I, I just love every bit of it. Um, I love the road to Emmaus. That's one of Byron's favorite. Think about this, the loss of hope. I love this there. It says, we had hoped. This is when Jesus had, you know, he had already been, he died. He, crucified, he was crucified and some disciples were walking on the road. They were disappointed. They didn't know what to think about all of it because they had believed. But here we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. All that hope. And that's something. Such hope that he was going to redeem Israel at that time. So, such disappointment. But then they have an encounter. He shows up and he goes through the scripture with them. All the way from Moses to the prophets. And he explains to them you know, all through the scripture about himself. And he really gives them that perspective. He ha- they have the encounter, and they go, oh, this is what this is all about. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, when we named the women of this church Sojourn, we meant it. We meant what that was about. Because we realized we were going through the ditches and the darkness that any church could ever go through with death after death and this roof collapsing on us all in the same time and people being diagnosed with a brain tumor. I mean, all of that happened within a matter of six or eight months. And before that, a terrible murder. You think this church has walked through it. And we realized at that point that we had to get a hold of a heavenly encounter. We had to get a hold of a heavenly mindset and had to realize that this thing was a journey we were walking out, that we are sojourners in this earth, and that we're, we're not going to figure this all out today. We're not getting what we want, obviously, and we're not going to figure it out today. And there's some things we won't figure out tomorrow, and there's some things we won't figure out next year or the year after. But one thing we do know, that we're sojourners in this earth, and God is walking with his hand upon our lives and there will be a day where everything will be resolved. And that's what we're saying. We, when we said sojourners, we meant it. But we don't do this thing alone. We don't walk alone. We have a God who is very involved with every detail of our life. And he is not ignoring us. He is with us. And he will be with us through every bit of darkness we walk through, every bit of grief, every bit of disappointment, and even our expectations. He's got something in it for us. He's working a greater work in us than we could ever know where he is getting us to this place where I desire God more than anything. One of the things that I've had to come to recently is this thing of surrender. We don't like that word. We just don't like it because when you have to get to that place, it's like it's either you or him. That's just the bottom line. It's either you, you're going to get what you, you're just going to go on and just keep fighting and have life your way and 
you know, keep trying to control everything around you. You know, I could go on and on about that. Control is not a good thing. If you ever live around people that control, it is not a happy day. Mm, Somebody needs to hear that today. I'm serious. It's because we've been left, we've been called to live a life of surrender. Uh, that is surrendering at all. We sing, I surrender all. But really, what we're not just saying, oh, I'm just surrendering to Jesus and going to give my life to Jesus and, you know, get my sins forgiven. I, no, it's surrendering all. It's surrendering these things that we think we want and need and have to have. Our, our disappointments, our griefs. We just have to surrender them to the Lord. And that's something I've had to go through in the last few years. And I was just saying to you that there are things in my life that I desperately wanted my whole life. There's a lifestyle that I thought I would have that I probably won't get to have. And it hurts. I mean, I'm not talking about money. I'll just, I'll just be honest with you. It's living around my family. Okay, soft spot. And I left home when I was 18. Had no idea what that meant. I didn't know that that would mean a life away from them. A life away from my parents. You know, it was only two hours away, but to me it was California. You know, because you don't get to live your daily life. And I grew up on a family compound. I did. All my siblings lived around. We were just all involved with each other's life. Now, I will just say this. Had God given me what I wanted, it would not have been good. It would not have been good for my children. And he knew that. But it still hurts to this day, you know. But, you know, that's something still in my heart, even though I know the right answers that I've had to surrender to the Lord. And, you know, and then you get your own family And it's wonderful, it's good, but still, you know what, parents, it's not going to go the way you think it's going to (laughs) go. Because they have their own minds and their own hearts. They really do. And you, as a parent, you dream up the way it's going to be. You think they're going to be this. You think they're going to be that. And they, God created them uniquely as their own. They really are. And so you let go of that, and that's been something that has been wonderful. Surrender is this, and I think surrender is a grace word, okay? Because with grace, we have to let go of our own stuff. We have to let go. Let God and let him do it. And that's what surrender is. If you really want to nail down how to do that, it's just surrendering. We surrender when we get saved, our lives. We surrender our wills to God. And surrender is such a powerful thing in the Spirit. So powerful. I'll give you an example of that. I want to just say this about my children. I'm proud of all of them. And that I'm, I just thank God for every... They, they really have... They are wonderful people within themselves. God has really done miraculous things. It just, you know, it's just as a parent... You know, it's just stupid. It really is stupid. I'm going to tell you the best thing I ever did about my, our children was letting go about the church thing. I've just let them go. I've told them, y'all go to church where you want to go to church, how you want to worship. I'm just thankful you know the Lord. That's what matters. You know, and it's been, I'm, I'm glad none of them are here today. So good I can talk about them. They'll never know unless y'all tell them. Don't tell them. (laughs) Who's here? Oh, Philip's here. Oops. He's he's a good son. I tell you, he's such a good son. But that's been one thing. You know, it's like letting go and letting God do what he wants to do with our children. But it's not just our children. It's letting go of you. What I think you should be acting like. How I think you should be doing it. And that's what grace is. We let go and let God do it. And one of my favorite scriptures is, is um, just gone deep in me over the years is when Jacob and Rachel were having to try, have children, trying to have children. And Rachel was not getting pregnant. 
And it was over and over. I mean, he, and she was wearing him out, like just, and I understand that. We've been through for infertility, you know, and it's like, it's, it's a terrible thing to go through, terrible. And she was wearing him out, though, as if he could do something. And you know what he finally, this is one version says this. He looks at her and says this, do I stand in the place of God? Wow. And I believe when we surrender our wills to what God wants in all circumstances, that what we're doing is we're getting out of the place of God. We're getting, and I, this is my own thing. It's a pathway of power. We get out of that pathway that's meant for God. He can't flow through us. He, we're, we're, it's like we're just standing in the way, and he's trying to do something. He's trying to do it his way. We want it our way, and we're just standing in that path. We're just standing there, nothing, you know, nothing getting through, nothing getting by. And the moment you say, okay, Lord, I'm giving this up. I give this up. This is yours. You do it the way you want to do it. And I know you're going to do it well. You're going to do it really well. As soon as we do that, it is amazing what God starts doing. He's like, finally, relief. Let me have, and guess what? Rachel, she gets pregnant, doesn't she? She ends up getting pregnant. And so, um, see if there's anything else I wanted to tell you about that. That's good. So I wanted to give you a few examples in my life. Have I said enough on that for y'all? About, do y'all understand that about grace and surrender? Grace is unearned favor. That's what the definition, so that means you can't do anything. You, you, favor comes from you doing absolutely nothing. And that's what, so surrender, you got to get out of the way and stop trying to do something and get out of the way and let the Lord do it. So I'm, I'm telling you guys, if you get a hold of this little spiritual principle, it unlocks lots of doors for us, many, many doors for us. And I, it's, you know, and for parents, I will just say this, you, you know, there's young parents in here, there's older parents in here. There's, you know, young, young people. It's just good to hear this in all relationships, in marriage, in your friendship relationships. You know, people feel it when you're trying, you know, when you're trying to get them to do stuff. And you're, you don't like this and you don't like that. People feel that. The best thing we can ever do is just let loose and let things let be. And um, it's, for older parents, it's probably some of the best advice there is for when your children become adults is letting go. And giving them the grace and giving them the freedom to walk out their lives the way they feel like God's called them to do it. You know? And I believe a much healthier family dynamics that way. And um, so just wanted to finish up with that. But I wanted to tell you a few encounters I wanted to, that I've had um, along the way of when I was disappointed. Okay? Recently, I'll give you the one that's most, most recent. As I was dealing with the Lord about this dream, you know, that I was supposed to live around my family. You know, the Lord, it doesn't matter how old that dream is. He wants to heal you. That's an old dream for me, okay? It's a really old one and um, that has never quite gotten fixed. I don't know what parent doesn't want to live around their children, Okay? Um, most of you do when they move, it's so sad, but so the Lord began to deal with me. I didn't even know how deep that hurt was. It had been that many years, 42 years. And, um, he began to deal with me about that. And, and he started singing a song to me. Hey Jude, the Lord sings secular songs to me, y'all. It's just the craziest thing. I mean, here I'm a worship leader and he's singing secular songs to me. Um, he starts singing this, hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember to let her into your heart, then you can begin to make it better. And that song was written for one of the Beatles who was divorcing, and it was for the little boy. And um, I, for, I forgot who wrote that, but he was basically saying, don't let your heart get shut down over this. Now, can you imagine the pain that little boy was in? With his parents splitting up. John Lennon, yeah, I figured Dean would know all about this. Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Paul McCartney, yeah. Y'all, y'all are good. 
Um, So can you imagine? So what he was saying, don't let your heart shut down. Because that's what all this stuff will do. It'll shut your heart down. And God really is a good daddy. He really wants our hearts to be fully alive and fully free from every little thing. All our pains, all our hurts. He cares. He really cares about it. Imagine that, a 42-year-old dream. Think of that. My parents are dead and gone. I'd still go live next door to my sister. That's the way I am. I just, I love family, and, um, but I have another plan. But I love that song, the Lord began to sing it to me, and I realized that I needed to take a bad song and make it better. I needed to just take that and let this be something that could be turned into good. You know, in any situation like we're in, that's what God wants to do. He wants to take a sad song and make it better. Is that, does that sound like God to you? You think, I think Paul was anointed when he wrote that song. I mean, you think about this. When I'm, I'm in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me singing songs of wisdom, let it be. I mean, do you not think that was not coming? I mean, I'm sure it's not, it's partial revelation. But the Lord does speak through songs. I'm just telling you, if you start hearing the Lord sing unusual songs to you, listen up. He's trying to have, he's given you an encounter with him. I mean, investigate it. Look at the words of the song. Play the song. Listen to it. God is trying to get through to you something. And these songs have healed my heart. They have absolutely healed my heart. Another one. Um, that I'll tell you that was, has been really powerful to me is this was really a deep one when the roof collapsed. Now, I want to tell you, Byron and I had buried how many people at that point starting March, April with the Troglin Sun. I mean, it just was, we were burying, it was like we had never experienced that. You know, we were just, we buried Star, we buried uh, uh, Alton, and we buried, I mean, I just, it was just, un, I mean, you talking about grief. And then in the middle of that, we remodeled the building, this room, the way you see it now, and six weeks later, that roof collapsed. And mm, it was a bad day. I mean, we, it was, I mean, honestly, Byron and I left. We used to live behind the church, and we walked back to the house, and we're just stunned and broken, and, you know, we know that the trusses are cracking up there and miracle we were alive. And we surrendered the church that day to the Lord. We really, because we had no money even at that time. It was a bad time financially in the church world. Most people were laying off people because the downturn in the economy and we went to the house that day, and we sincerely said, Lord, if this is it, if this is the end for river life, we surrender it to you. We give it back. And um, we ended up, I guess it was a we were just hurting and struggling. We ended up going to the beach sometimes during that time period. I mean, we were just a basket case. You know, it's hard because you're leading people. And you're in this mess. It'd be one thing if it was just you, you know, but you got this whole congregation that you love that have given so much money to remodel the building. And so we're hurting pretty bad at that point and really need to hear from the Lord. And we're at the beach, and I wake up hearing this song. I love you just the way you are. And it's don't go changing to try and please me. You never let me down before. Don't imagine you're too familiar. I don't see you anymore. I would not leave you in times of trouble. We could never have come this far. I took the good times. I take the bad. I love you just the way you are. I'll take you just the And we knew right then at that moment, we laid in the floor and squalled like babies because we knew we had an encounter with the Lord. But he was saying, this is not your fault. This is not about you. You know, I, I'm I'm taking this bad time. You you know, just it was just a powerful moment. I'll just never forget. And the reason I'm telling you this is because some people don't know how what encountering the Lord's about how that is. They think it's some laying in the floor and 
this power hitting you. And it is that. But it's this too. There are these daily things that the Lord is saying. You know, I woke up this morning singing, Oh, how marvelous. Oh, how wonderful. And my soul shall ever sing. I was just hearing the gospel. You know, just the gospel message. And I was like, yeah. Love the gospel. Love the gospel message. So that was another time. But I'll tell you a time that was really huge for me, too, is when our daughter was going through infertility. And it was six years. Six years of her not being able to have a baby. It was, um, she did get pregnant at at the three-year mark that she miscarried at 12 weeks. She got pregnant again. It was in her tube. Had to take her tube. Went through another three years of not getting pregnant. And you talking about, you talking about being out with the Lord. The Lord told me one day, he says, you know where you are? I said, where? He says, you're in the belly of the whale. I said, yeah, you're right. I'm, in the, I'm mad at you. You're, you know, Jonah is making him go to Nineveh. He ends up in the belly of the whale. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. Remember that? So I'm in the belly of the whale. And, you know, it's just crazy. You just think, I mean, it was like the daughter. I mean, she'd lived her whole life just a great daughter. You know, got married pure. And I'm like, you know, it's just hard. You see, you see all these mamas walking around without husbands and babies and populating the earth. And you're just like, why? It's just rough, you know. And But, you know, I just had to, I had to release it and surrender it to the Lord. But this is one thing the Lord did for me on that was he um, woke me up one morning with a musical, Lay Miserables. It's just crazy. And I, I've, I've been to there, I've been there a couple of times to that, that musical. And I recognized the song, but I had to get on YouTube really quick because I was trying to hold the tune. And I had to get on there and listen to the songs because you know how they, the theme of the sound runs through all of them. And here it was. It was Luke, John, Luke. If you've never seen it, this is about people going through a rough time and they're singing their way through it and there's hope and redemption and it. it's really powerful. But he's singing over this woman that he loves. She has a baby and she's dying She's leaving a little baby behind, and he's singing this song to her that she will never want for anything. And I knew right then the Lord gave me his word in the encounter that grace would never want for anything, including children. Is that not amazing? I knew at that moment that she would have children, and she did. It was pretty miraculous how it came about. It was not, she had to have intervention. And the Lord spoke that to me, too. He said, she's going to have to have intervention. And she did. He paid for it. It's, it's, he really came through on that. And pretty pretty amazing. And so I just wanted to tell you that. And um, But lately, this has been one I've loved. I don't know why the Lord started singing this to me. It's an old gospel song. I woke up one here. I must tell Jesus. It's this one. I must tell Jesus all of my trials. I cannot bear these burdens alone. In my distress, he kindly will help me. He ever loves and cares for his own. I must tell Jesus. Sing it. I must tell Jesus. I cannot bear these burdens alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help me. Jesus alone. Isn't that amazing? Now, I want to tell you the funny story about that. I got the intercessors. I told them about it because I just had it. We wanted to hear it in prayer on Wednesday, and we brought up this first thing. It sounded like a hymn. It was so dry. We brought up another one. It was dry. And then Crystal brought up T.D. Jakes. It was a live service. Man, and it was recent, and it was bringing the house down. It was like somebody just started singing it. It was powerful. So I feel like it's a nail word. You know what? We have the greatest thing ever 
is prayer. Taking all this stuff and going to Jesus and tell him he's going to lift these burdens off of us. We have to go to him, though. We can't just go to everybody else. We've got to go to Jesus. We've got to find him in these moments. And it's just been such an eye-opener to me through these songs. You know, when we're going through these disappointments, these expectations we're not getting, and, and we're going through hurts and pains, we can surrender it all to him. We can tell him all about it. I love that. You know, uh, that one, what is that old hymn? Oh, Take Everything to God in Prayer. That song. Often peace, we often forfeit. When we're not just taking it all and surrendering at his feet, we must tell him. We've got to get to Jesus with this stuff for our country. We just tell Jesus. Go to him. If you're worried, fearful, go to Jesus. Your children are drug addicts. Go to Jesus. Your husband ain't treating you right. Go to Jesus. You don't have money. Go to Jesus. Lay the burden down. Get out of the way. You can't make it. There's so many things we can't control. We just get out of the way. Let that pathway of power take root in our lives. And we can just watch what God does. He's going to do it. He's faithful. He's faithful. And I'm going to end with this scripture because I, I love this verse. That he restores all things. It says this in Acts 3.21. He's talking about Jesus. He must remain in heaven until, until the time for the final restoration of all things. You know what? All things are going to be restored anyway. The final restoration of all things. And I love the story of Naomi. Oh, man, this gets me. The one of Naomi, where she went through all that she did. The loss of sons, Naomi and Ruth. She lost sons. She lost daughter-in-law. She, she has Ruth. They end up, you know, she lost it all. And, you know, think about what she, you talking about unmet expectations. Wow. So here she is, at the, you know, Ruth has a baby by Boaz. And they hand her that baby. And do you know what they say to her? Naomi has birthed a baby. How about that? God restoring things to her. And it's amazing that Naomi has birthed a baby. And I'm going to tell you, we've had an amazing thing in that in our lives because we lost a child. Her name was Hannah Joy. She was our daughter's twin. She was stillborn at birth, full turn, beautiful. We have no idea to this day why we lost her. And you know, when Philip started dating Kara, it was just a few weeks in and I look at her, you know, they, you know, they're just dating and. I, she says, you know, I've always wanted to name a, a, a little girl, Hannah Joy. And I looked at her, and I thought, oh, do we have a wife here? <laughs> I did. I mean, because she, I, she did not know. She was Kara. Her mom was Joy, you know, and it was just amazing. And so here we today have a Hannah Joy. It's just it's pretty amazing we have a Hannah Joy in our lives. And no, it's not our Hannah Joy but it's one of God's redemptive works in our life. And I just say for all these things we go through, and I have, you know, and for as far as family, I have all of y'all. I have so, I'm so rich with family around. I have my kids around me. You know, instead of looking at what we don't have, we need to look at what we do have and, and just really, really thanking for it. And I want you to be looking for encounters in your life for God to give you answers to places where you don't have answers. And I want us all to learn to let go and let God and let grace do the work. Surrender to him, surrender to his ways. So once you stand up. So I just want to pray. I want us to put our hearts over, our hands over our hearts. And if you could play Waymaker. I forgot that I had stuff about Waymaker. I forgot about that. Listen, that's one thing God has told me. He's always working. I mean, that song, he's always working. We need to really know that, that he's working. You can't, might not can see it, but he's working on our behalves and all that concerns us. He is working. So, Lord, right now in Jesus' name, we just know that you're a faithful God. And learn all the things we're disappointed about, and we dream about. 
Lord, and just really know that you've got a really good plan for us and that we just want to learn to let go and let you do the work, Lord. Let you do it by the grace of God, Lord. We want to surrender today. If you can think of anything right now that you need to surrender. Yeah, let's just take a minute. Anything you feel is a, a hurt in your heart. An ex- I, I really felt particularly expectations. The Lord really wanted to go into those places where you had expectations. And it didn't work out that way. I know there's failed marriages in here that were really hurt. Failed relationships. And we know there's lots of people that have lost loved ones here. That's the biggest expectation. So Lord, we're just asking you right now. I feel the bomb of Gilead coming into this room. The healing bomb of Gilead coming into this room. Lord, and just taking this brokenness, Lord, you came to heal the brokenhearted. Lord, just take it today, Lord. Lord, we trust you. We trust you that you have a plan for these broken places, these broken relationships, these broken plans. Lord, we trust you. We trust you that, Lord, your heart is to restore all things. It was never to leave it the same. Lord, never to leave it the same, Lord. And your restoration, God, is to return to former, original, normal, unimpaired condition, the restitution of something taken away or lost. That's what you're out to restore, Lord, as Acts 3.21 says. Lord, to restore it. And we're just saying restore. Lord, give us the grace to let go and let you do it the way you want to do it. The plan unfold the way you want it, God. It's better than we could ever dream of anyway. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Have your way this morning. Have your way. Thank you. Waymaker. Sing it with you. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working, working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Here moving. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this place. I worship you. I worship. Y'all sing it out. Come on. You are way maker, mirror. Come on, lift it up. Promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. You are here. Touching, touching every 
feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop. Cause you are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. Cause you are a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. this this song is very prophetic right now and the thing that keeps your faith up is to know this that he's always working even when you don't see it and even when you don't feel it that's if you keep that to keep your faith up because he says this my father is always working and I am always working we can stand on that word so all these circumstances, he does not stop working on our behalf. He is not standing idly by and letting things just go through the cracks. He is working. He is always working. And I just want to say that you need to grab onto that word for your lives, for your children, for your families. Even when he's not working, even when you don't see it, he's working. You got to know that my father is always working. Always. He doesn't stop. He doesn't go sit down somewhere and say, I'll take a rest. And particularly in the areas of healing, particularly in the areas of physical healing, because when he said that, he had just broken the Sabbath law and healed someone on the Sabbath. He said, I don't stop working. I'm always working. My Father is always working. And what he is saying, I always do what the Father is doing. So if he saw his Father always working, he said, so am I. And if he is always working, hey, so should we. We should be laying our hands on the sick and watching them recover. We should lay our hands and see people get delivered because our Father is always working. He never stops. Amen. 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 Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop 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 working. You never stop. Let that keep on sinking in. Es una palabra profética poderosa. Full of impartation. Lleno de impartición. Si vaya, say I receive it. Dígale, lo recibo. You know, just one real quick story. As I tell you this quick story, can we have the ministry team come up? Vamos a pedir que el ministerio venga para orar. There's this book that my wife discovered recently. Este es el libro que mi, It's mi called The sale. Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse. El I don't know whether you've read that. El muchacho, 
el zorro y, y algo más. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, it's just this, it's like a graphic no um, graphic book, like with cartoon figures and all this other stuff, but with little little quotes that he has in there. And uh, you know, as I was reading it, oh, I, kept, I kept on telling my wife, I think the horse has to be Jesus. Porque las cosas so que free. decía era tan eh, gentil, pero tan poderosa y tan profunda. And my wife goes, well, I, I've been looked him up, but it could be. So I just went on YouTube, checked him out, and Así he que, was giving this little message. Así que fuimos a YouTube y, y, y encontramos que había un mensaje así. And the guy's name is Charlie McKee. Y el nombre del muchacho es Charlie McKee. And the part that I got out of it was just this little one part that he said that was just so significant. Y hay algo bien significante una parte que dijo. You know, he's he's about grace acerca de la gracia and his whole perspective is we belong we're loved we're light nosotros pertenecemos nosotros amamos we have a father tenemos un padre and we have a home y tenemos un hogar mm. and he say that part of his ministry what he does he goes to like retirement homes y él va su ministerio es a esos lugares de retiro de ancianos or hospices and all that stuff donde atienden a los ancianos. Y él va y administra a los ateos. Y por qué tiene tanta paz y por qué es tan amable. Y él dice porque es Jesús. He's the most non-religious person you'll ever come across. Es la persona menos religiosa que ha caminado en este mundo. Este ateo, en el en la último parte de su vida, dice, ¿cómo puedo conocerlo? Te voy a dar una simple forma para que so tú puedas conocerlo. Cuando estás en tu cuarto, just pull up a chair, trae una silla y pull another chair opposite it. Y pon otra silla you sit in one and talk to the other, talk to uh, the other chair. See, there's Jesus sitting at that chair. Te sientas en una silla y en la otra habla Jesús. So the guy did that. Y el muchacho, el hombre hizo eso. He kind of helped him navigate how to have those conversations with Jesus. Y comenzó a navegar conversaciones and con Jesús. And he's very forcing that this guy said is Jesus. Y dijo Jesús. I mean, they use cuss words. He said, I've really messed up my life. Y comenzó a usar malas palabras Dijo yo he destruido mi vida just went on just Y comenzó Jesus a hablar a Jesús about his own life. A través de toda su vida so about a week later, Una semana después I think it was the of him, el, Este Charlie casa de retiro le llamó a, a este muchacho Charlie McKee Le dijo hey Es interesante que el hombre que hablaste la Interesante que el hombre que tú has hablado la última vez. It was important that he wanted you to know this part. It was important for you to know this part because he wanted you to know this part. Oh, él quería que tú sepas esta otra parte. When the guy, when they came in to his room and found him dead, cuando lo encontraron muerto, he was holding on to the chair, hugging the chair. Estaba abrazando a la a la, a la silla. And that to me just wrecked me completely. Y eso fue algo que lo marcó. So for there is wisdom in that little story. Hay sabiduría en esa pequeña historia. If this atheist guy can find Jesus. Si este ateo puede, puede encontrar a Jesús. Talking to an empty chair, even though it's not, it wasn't really empty. Hablando a esta eh, silla vacía, aunque sabemos que no estaba and vacía. At the end of his life, the Porsche that was found was in his knees, resting, hugging the chair. Y en el último momento de su vida estaba arrodillado abrazando a esa silla. So I felt like with Becky's message. Parte del mensaje de, de Becky. The biggest thing that we can take away with today is this. Lo que podemos llevar hoy. We're loved. Con amor. We belong. Nosotros pertenecemos. We're liked. Nosotros somos we amados. We have a father. Y tenemos un padre. And we have a home. Y tenemos un hogar. We're never alone. Y nosotros no estamos solos. Amen. Amen. So I pray that you. Get...
I pray that you guys will have a fantastic happy new year. Que puedan tener un fantástico año nuevo. And that the Lord's grace will be chasing you the rest of your life. Y que la gracia del Señor te persiga el resto de tu vida. And we all said, y decimos, Amen. 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 If you need more prayer, the Bonsi team is happy to pray for you. Si está en oración, be blessed. Ven aquí que los ministerios van a orar por ti.